When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. I'm Brittany. And I'm Heather. Welcome to OKS Moms, the podcast. A place to be more than just mom. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of OKS Moms, the podcast. Brittany here. And Heather, hello. Hey, how's it going? Oh, just so great. We are, as of recording this, it's our first day back from spring break, and I feel like the FEMA disaster relief crew coming in after a natural disaster. <laughs> we are under bud- underserved, we are underfunded, we're tired, and nobody wants to help us. Nobody wants to help us. <laughs> Although I am really enjoying my quiet house right now. <laughs> Except for these cats who are losing their minds. Oh. It's always it's always somebody around here. Always yeah. something. Right. You locked him out though. He sh- he he'll lose his mind solo. <sighs> yeah. Did I tell you he brought another bird into the house? No. Mm-hmm. Stop. We had been out for the day and we came home and I heard a bunch of jingling in my office. My office is like in a room in the front of the house that kind of set away from like the living area. And we just walked in and I hear his, cause I put a bell on him after the last incident. And so I heard a ton of jingling and I'm like, okay, that's not great. And so I'm like, hey, Lou, what you doing? And I start walking towards my office, and he's under the desk with something. And I'm like, fuck, not, not right now. No. And you just close the door and walk away. I, I did at first, because I was like, I can't, I can't do this right oh now. God. And of course, AJ's job is really flexible, except on the days it's not. And of course, this only happens on the days it's not flexible. And... So it was towards the end of the day and I was like, no, I'm, I'm just going to leave it. And I was like, well, wait, hold on. I really don't want him like in there tearing up a bird because I thought the closet was open and like the Peloton's in here. And like, I, I don't, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know. I just like, I was like, this is, it's too long of a time until I think AJ's coming home. Like birds are just so gross. gross. And so I go back in there and he has taken the bird like under the Peloton And he kind of, I go to, like, get him away from it. And I'm, like, yelling dog commands because what else can you, I'm like, (laughs) drop it, drop it. And he's, and he's, like, dead in the eyes. And 
I kind of walked towards him thinking, because he had dropped the bird. He, like, kind of listened. And so I thought I could just pick him up like I did last time and, like, get him away from the bird and then, like, you know, isolate the problem. And he growled at me. And I was like, oh, fuck this. Fuck this. I'm not about to be attacked by a cat over a bird. Like, I'm not doing it. And so I went to go, like, just leave, basically. And he snuck out through the door. And now he's, like, in the living area. I'm like, oh, my God. And the kids are out there. Yeah, in his mouth. And the kids are like, and like, you guys, you have to be quiet because you're going to freak him out. And like, God, and I, I don't know if the bird's alive or dead. And I'm like, you just, ha- you have to be quiet. He sauntered like on full parade with the bird in his mouth all the way through the house, all the way around out to the garage <laughs> where he's got his little like door and just took it outside. And I thought he was going to stop in the garage and like, because he's got one door from the house to garage door and then like one on the side door and I thought he would just go through and like like okay fine they're gonna leave me alone and destroy the bird in the garage he went all the way outside oh and so like thank you like maybe we've kind of come to an understanding now of like mm. he can do this but like outside I don't know oh my god but we never found the bird so I don't I don't know I don't he's a monster <laughs> he really is I Oh my and god. Then, and so I locked all the doors and then <sighs> one of the kids or some I don't know, somebody later in the day had unlocked it and let him in and he came in and I it was unexpected and I like I'm like it's really unnerving now. <laughs> and he just comes in and just lays down like he's not a murderer and Oh my god. He even with the bell on, I really thought that was all. <laughs> okay, so everything I read said put a bell on and don't let him out like at dawn and dusk because that's when the birds are like the, drowsy or those are what, the I don't know. Line hunting times too. Yes. <laughs> so this was in the middle of the day with a bell on. So I don't, either this is the dumbest bird in the world or like he's <sighs> not good. I don't know, but I just I need it to stop. I like I really do. Much. It, he's out of control. It's, I'm telling you, like, he's, like, a full-blown wild animal. Like, he, like, when he has something, it, like, his eyes, it's like he he's blacked out. I'm not even kidding. He literally goes, he, his ancestors inhabit him. <laughs> uh, no, ser- I swear to God, that's what it's like. It's just, it's so unnerving to see. And then he, like, a flip switches, and he comes back in, and he's just, like, this stupid little cat laying on a pillow, like, like a string. Like, I can't. It's too much. It's so much to just, like, shift back and forth between, and I can't. No. No, 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 no. Tyler (sighs) makes a joke sometimes he's going to let Ferguson outside to be an outdoor cat, and I say, nope. (laughs) Absolutely Again, (laughs) we did not want him outside. He has ordained that he is an outside cat. Like, I... (sighs) Oh it's, just, it's so stressful and every time he comes in and like this morning he's been acting really flighty and so like I'm on high alert and <laughs> like I had my airpods in earlier and I was listening to a podcast but I only had one in and I had some of the windows open and I heard like a noise and I and I but I since I was listening to something I didn't fully hear the noise so I was like <laughs> like what, what is it <laughs> he's turning you into a cat like I feel like a cat I it's <laughs> I, it's just such psychological warfare and it's a lot and that 
It has absolutely nothing to do with this episode and <laughs> zero to do with this episode. But fine. Um, well, a sharp left turn as usual. We, our episode today is all about grief with Andrea. Um, you know, this episode hits kind of close to home for our family. Um, Last year was a pretty rough one. We lost uh, Tyler's mom and grandfather within like a three month span. And um, we actually have been talking about doing a grief episode for a while, but I wasn't ready. So we've been putting it off, but we found Andrea and we're so glad we did. She is an expert in this field and she just wrote a um, children's book about the topic And it incorporates a lot of mindfulness, which is a great tool in your parenting tool bag for any time, but especially when going through hard times and transitions like grief and death. Um, And she is just a great, I'm so glad we found her. And I think you'll enjoy this episode too. We'll start the episode after this quick break. Our sponsor, Haya, is back. Haya is a daily children's multivitamin that arrives fresh with a 30-day supply and a refillable glass bottle your kids can decorate and personalize. After that, you'll receive a no-plastic refill pouch sent monthly right to your doorstep. Haya isn't your typical candy-like vitamin either. It contains no sugar added but still has 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to support immunity, growth, and development. It's also dairy-free, gluten-free, vegan, and made right here in the U.S. For a limited time, your first order is just $15, a $15 savings, and shipping is free. To get this deal, go to okayismoms.com slash Haya. That's okayismoms.com slash H-I-Y-A. There are two certainties in a mom's life, dishes and laundry. If you're like us, then your washing machine and dishwasher are putting in overtime every day. Drops makes effective, eco-friendly, and convenient household cleaning products from laundry pods, they're the original creators, to dishwasher detergent and more. They've got your home covered. Drops detergent pods are tough enough to handle any stains your kids can throw at them, including those grass stains. Remove odors, yet are still gentle on fabric. They do all of this without any harsh chemicals. Drops uses plant-based ingredients and is dye, phosphate, phthalate, and paraben-free. They come in a variety of light, crisp scents or unscented too. What caught our eye the most is that Drops is committed to being eco-responsible. Packaging is designed to reduce waste, single-use plastic, and unnecessary shipping materials. Drops has kept nearly 3.5 million single-use plastic detergent containers, tubs, and jugs from polluting waterways. You can even further reduce your carbon footprint by saving yourself a trip to the store when you sign up for the subscribe and save option, so you never run out of a reason to do laundry again. New customers can save 25% off their first order of drops with code OKEST25, and existing drops customers can get 15% off with code OKEST15 at drops.com. That's D-R-O-P-P-S dot com. Hi, Andrea. Welcome to our podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Before we get started, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your background? I would love to. It's such a loaded question, Um, but I'm a mom of two. I'm a therapist and I'm an author and um, I have kind of an eclectic background when it comes to 
um, really just my professional background. I started out in music. I was a music major. Um, and then I had kind of what I call an early midlife crisis. And I went back to school and, for social work. And um, I kind of never looked back. I've been working with kids and families and um, old, older people, younger people for the past decade. And I just, I love it. Um, I sort of settled into more of a specialty of um, trauma and working in trauma. So that's kind of my focus. Um, but yeah, I love what I do. And, um, you know, more recently in 2020 became an author of the mindful step series, which I love. I have, you know, my two kids were a huge inspiration for that series, but, um, yeah, I think that's kind of me in a nutshell. Um, I also have a dog. I love tea and, um, I am uh, the okayest mom in all senses of the word. So (laughs) (laughs) I love to hear it. Um, boy was 2020 the perfect time to write a mindfulness series <laughs> I feel like we all yeah. could have been more mindful during that time yes well and what's funny is I started it you know my first book was released jan- in January so it was before everything really hit but um, then I've had a lot of time since then because we've all been in social isolation to continue to work on my series so yeah very cool so a lot of your work focuses on mindfulness in children Can you tell us what drew you to that specific area of psychology? Yeah. So first, kind of just a definition of mindfulness um, is paying attention on purpose and intentionally in the moment without judgment and without attachment to the moment. And that's kind of a definition that Dr. John Kabat-Zinn offers. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but that's the the type of mindfulness that I use most often in my series and in my life. There are a couple different um, types of mindfulness. There's sitting meditation, which a lot of people know about. There's movement meditation. Um, But what I focus on the most is informal meditation. And that is what I have found to be most helpful for the families that I work with for my, you know, in my own personal life. Um, And it is really a major part of most of the mental health treatments that focus on treating trauma. Um, And there are entire modalities that focus totally just on on building mindfulness skills. So I started focusing on this in grad school, which is when I was introduced to mindfulness, uh, which is way too late if you ask me. Um, And so I, you know, I slowly started learning more about it again, seeing the benefits in the, you know, myself, the people I was working with and using it. Um, and it, I, I mean, I've just kind of continued to build in, in that area because it, it's just such an important life skill. I couldn't agree more. And I feel like, I mean, you'll know better than I do, but I feel like mindfulness really hasn't come into like the zeitgeist, the common vernacular before the last like five to eight years or so and I feel like so many adults I know especially women our age I feel like that's like the new buzzword and we're just learning how to first of all do it and then like integrate it into our lives so how can we even possibly begin to like help our children do this when we're just figuring it out ourselves that's such a great question and what I always say is practice makes progress and practice makes permanent. And I think that's very true with mindfulness. You know, when we're talking about informal mindfulness, which again is just being mindful moment to moment, 
you can do that any moment of the day. You, you know, you don't have to set aside a, a particular time. You can be with your child and just really taking in with your senses what's going on uh, around you and what you're hearing and what you're feeling. Um, so the, the tips that I kind of give to parents and moms and um, even kids who are starting out is to just start slowly. <laughs> it's, a, it's a practice. It's a practice for me. Um, so start slowly, take it in bite-sized chunks, you know, maybe set a reminder on your phone once a day and just start to get it into your, your brain muscle memory. Uh, the other thing that is really important to focus on as a parent or a caregiver is to just work on your own mindfulness practice. Because when you start to do that, you create an environment for your child where they start to recognize that this is an important thing to be doing. Um, so really, if you just focus on taking small bites for you to like, just sit with your feelings, sit with a, a breath, um, sit with your senses, that is going to help your child start to recognize that, hey, this is something that I, I can be doing too. Um, this is a normal part of our, our family environment. I knew you were going to say that. It's always about what I have to do. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> My watch is constantly telling me, hey, take a break, take some breaths. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> right away. So I need to and start. And that's to okay. You know, I think that's the thing is like, we're not going to do it all the time and we can't be mindful 100% of the time. And so to set that expectation for ourselves, especially as moms, especially as parents, is like, I, I mean, I just think that's a huge ask. So it's really just about, you know, giving yourself some compassion when you do it. Awesome. Give yourself a little pat on the back when you don't. Okay. Move on. You know, it, it really, it's, Oh, it's okay. It's just a, a practice. And, um, you know, the, the more you can do it great, but we don't, I don't think we have to be so hard on ourselves about it, you know, about it and everything really. We had a guest on recently who was talking about intuitive eating and that kind of like sparked a deep dive I did on my own about like more about it. And so mindfulness has been like top of mind for me lately. And it really seems to be more about like changing your inner voice more than like, an, like something you sit down and do. And like, cause you mentioned before uh, doing it without judgment. And that seems to be like the biggest, that was like a light bulb for me. It was like, oh, cause like my, I, are you familiar with the Enneagram? Okay. I'm an Enneagram six. So my inner voice is constantly talking, <laughs> but it's that removing judgment part that has been like a huge shift for me. And so I think doing that with my kids too, like kind of removing the judgment from what they're doing has kind of been like a good segue into it for us. Yeah. One of the most powerful parts about mindfulness is that non-judgmental piece. You know, you can really separate yourself from a thought, from a feeling, from um, an experience, and just kind of notice it instead of trying to take control over it. And in parenthood, that's huge because we can't control a lot of things that happen. Um, <laughs> we're just kind of along for the ride. And so, you know, when we can just take a step back and pause, even if it's just for a second and just take away the judgment and just use our noticing skills, it, it can be really powerful and really freeing. I mean, and noticing skills is like basically all I have. So <laughs> <laughs> you recently released a new book called When Someone Dies, which is all about mind, the mindful approach to grief and death for children. Can you tell us about it and what inspired you to write it? 
Yeah. So um, when someone dies is exactly what it, it says. It's a mindful how-to guide on grief and loss for kids. And it's a book that I wrote, um, not just to help kids work through grief, but really to help parents and families have conversations about grief with their kids, which is such a difficult topic to broach with your kids. Um, so all of my books, my, my entire series is really about that. So it's taking the concrete steps of a um, something that happens in child development, like one of my books is on potty training. So just taking the concrete steps of potty training, um, <clears throat> taking the concrete steps that happen during grief and loss and um, providing context and, um, you know, things that you can think about and talk to your child about as you're you know, you're, you're talking about this big topic. Um, I know when I was writing this series in general, one of the reasons I started writing it was because I was struggling <laughs> to talk with my own son about these tricky conversations. And I was looking for books that would help me to do that because books are such an incredible teaching tool. Um, and I know with my background that kids really thrive when they know what to expect and what's expected of them. And so, um, you know, I thought there must be some books out there about these different transitions we were going through and there weren't. So, you know, again, I started with potty training, but there are so many things that I've needed help with in explaining to my child. So, so my book on grief and loss is, you know, I started thinking about what do we all go through in life? And man, if I, loss starts at infancy when we're separated from a caregiver, you know, um, and it moves on into toddlerhood when someone takes our toy and we're, we're feeling grief feelings about losing our toy. And, and, you know, we, we experience loss in so many forms. So to me, it was really important to create a resource that could help parents talk about this tricky topic and then um, help them process the feelings and emotions that, you know, come from that. I love that. I need a copy. Um, personally, in my life, last it's been almost a year. Um, we lost my mother-in-law and oh. soon after, um, my son started, it, it seemed completely separate. He started going through some anxiety and OCD. We realized when we were talking to a therapist that it was related and we thought this was completely separate, but so in that way, sometimes it comes out in different ways. So I love the idea of like bringing the conversation back and helping parents go through you know, talk through it too. And a lot of the feedback I've gotten so far is that, you know, this hasn't just been helpful for kids and talking to kids. It's actually been helpful for parents to read through it themselves because they're, I mean, we're all kind of learning how to grieve with our kids. Um, we, a, a lot of us, I'm at least myself, um, when I was growing up, wasn't really taught to how to feel feelings. We were kind of, I grew up in a generation where it was like, you know, get over it. You got this, you know? And so, um, I think it's, it, I've, I've been hearing that it's been very helpful for parents to also understand, like, these are the steps to grief. <laughs> this is what I have to do. And this is how I can maybe help myself. And this is what's normal. Um, so I've been really, that was one of the intentions of the book. So I've been really glad to, to get that feedback, but, you know, I think it's just hard. Grief is so hard and any resources we can have to help ourselves to help our kids are I mean necessary and essential yeah for sure yeah we definitely didn't talk about hard topics 
in my house growing up. I feel like I'm like the blind leading the blind over here because my yeah. husband grew up in a similar household. So <laughs> how do we do better? You know? Well, and especially something like death, because growing up, I was fortunate enough that I didn't lose a grandparent until I was in high school. And, you know, we didn't really have a lot of death. And so that's not something you can really like. I mean, there's obviously death around you in the world, but unless you experience it personally, it's different. And so I think sometimes maybe people just don't even have that milestone for lack of a better term <laughs> yeah. that's a great point yeah we don't or, or you know I think again like we experience loss in a lot of different forms but the loss that comes from a death is you know different it's significant and that doesn't mean that other forms of loss aren't significant because we experience loss very differently um, person to person but but yeah a lot of us don't necessarily relate those losses to grief feelings, like those other maybe more ambiguous losses to grief feelings. And then we don't have these more um, societally acceptable losses that we've dealt with. So then, yeah, well, we're kind of lost ourselves in how to handle these topics. So that's a great point. I also like how it's not a super overly religious tone to it either, because we, and Again, not knowing, not being very equipped with death. <laughs> we lost our dog. That was my kid's first introduction to it. And all the books we found were very heavily religious, even just like the pet focused ones. And so it kind of, when we're not necessarily atheists, but we're not also overly religious in our house. And so my kids, so we found ourselves like in a very, like quagmire situation because we got a book called fairy dog heaven which like seemed innocent enough and then it led into these big <laughs> questions of like well what's heaven and it's like wait is that real like what and it's like well like okay so here's <laughs> like, <laughs> like so a it was rabbit like, hole yes and it was just like what just happened like this is not what i thought we were going to talk about so like we're getting very existential here so <laughs> my kids asked what a bible was yesterday so <laughs> That'll Great. be my next book. <laughs> How to talk about religion. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> no, it's so tough because, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was really important to me to leave in my book that end very open because we all have such different beliefs. And so um, <clears throat> there's certainly space for you to talk about your religious beliefs within my book and within the questions that I, I've kind of posed on each page. But Otherwise, there's not really a religious focus because of the very reasons that you just talked about. You know, there's a, it, it's, we don't need to open those wormholes maybe quite yet if it's not part of your daily experience. Well, and death is such a universal experience too, across all cultures and religions. So that, I love that you did that. Can you share a tip or two for parents dealing with death and grief of a loved one with their children? Yes, yes. Um, so we, you know, like you said, grief and, and death and dying are a universal part of the human experience, but the way we grieve is very different. So I have a couple tips, but these certainly are not all inclusive. Um, so, you know, take, take these with a grain of salt. But the first thing that, you know, I really encourage in talking with kids about grief and um, when, you know, if you've lost a loved one in your life is to just be open and um, developmentally appropriately honest. So that means using concrete language. Don't sugarcoat 
things necessarily use things like death, dying, was sick. Um, we can really confuse kids when we start to say things like passed away or went to sleep because they just don't know how they don't know what that means, especially younger kids. Um, so if you are talking with any child under the age of eight, make sure that you're really using simple, concrete terms. Um, also part of being, you know, open and honest is model processing your own emotions. So don't hide your sadness, be mindful to express what's going on, but also be mindful to, to do that in an appropriate way. You know, you might not want to be in front of your, your kids crying every day, all of the time, but make sure that you're sharing your, your feelings with them because they look to us to know how to grieve and to know what's okay and what's not okay. So if they don't see us crying or being angry or being confused or, or whatever, they don't know that it's okay to feel those feelings. So, so be open in, in your feeling expression as well. And then also in your ability to process those feelings and take care of yourself um, and in your reassurance. So, so be open and honest, talk about things concretely, model self-care, reassure them, um, and then experience your feelings yourself. But then the other tip that I have that's really important and can be really helpful for families is to find new ways to connect with your loved one as soon as you're ready. And this can look different for every family and every child, but it's really important to involve your child in that process in the way that feels best for you. So this can look like celebrating holidays, um, starting a tradition in your loved one's honor, um, snuggle up in their favorite sweater or you know, do something that they loved to do. Um, you know, my, my, um, husband's grandmother just passed away and well, she passed away while I was in the middle of writing the book actually. And my son was really, um, really pretty sad about it. And we live pretty far away. Um, we just moved from Wisconsin to South Carolina. And, um, so we were trying to think of ways that we could still be connected to her and, she, she really loved um, birds and butterflies. So we always look for birds. And anytime we see a bird, that reminds us of Grandma Gigi. And so it's you know, just finding ways to stay connected to your loved one can be really impactful for your kids and for yourself. Oh, I love that so much. What are some resources for parents they feel like they need more help? Um, and when would it be appropriate to reach out to a counselor or therapist for more support? Well, like you mentioned, again, grief can look really different for kids. I often like to talk about grief in kids looking kind of like they're puddle jumping. Adults really get like drowning in their grief. Often they get, you get kind of stuck in it, but kids kind of, they get in it and then they compartmentalize and get out of it really easily. And it, um, and, and it's, it can be kind of confusing actually to see because they can be curious or, you know, asking you a question about death or dying or your loved one. And then they can literally hop into the next room and play with their Legos or, you know, you know, and so it, it can be, it can, it does look very different for kids. Um, but some things that you can look for, if maybe it, something is more significant for your child is, um, changes in behavior that are longer for three to four weeks. And these changes can vary widely and, and be very vast. Uh, like you mentioned, you know, your son, you didn't even realize his feelings were connected to grief or his symptoms were connected to grief. But um, so really use your your parental um, instincts and 
notice if something is different for your child, but um, increased isolation, um, decline in school performance, uh, anxious behaviors like, you know, needing to check on things, um, being overworried about death um, or, or dying, uh, nightmares. These are all things that you can kind of start to, to look for, but again, it, it can just, it can look so different. Oh, and the other thing is um, physical symptoms. A lot of kids experience physical symptoms when they're grieving. So stomach aches, headaches, things like that. Um, it may seem again, totally unrelated to grief, but they can be coming up because of these sort of unresolved feelings. Um, so again, if you notice things longer for three to four weeks, that can be a really important time to maybe check in with your pediatrician or talk to a therapist. Um, the other times that I encourage families to reach out to therapists are if it was a traumatic loss in any way, um, or if it was an extremely significant loss in the child's life. So um, a immediate caregiver uh, or a sibling, um, that those losses can be a little bit more significant. And then the one last thing I want to say about this is that you'll notice that children often grow into their grief. So when they, it, you know, especially if they're young, when the death occurs, they may not necessarily have a lot of symptoms of grief right away, but as they get older, they kind of reprocess that grief over time. And so you may need to seek out counseling at later stages, like teenage years, um, because they're finally starting to really understand how this loss is really impacting their lives. This is the stuff they don't tell you about. The hard shit you're going to have to do as a parent. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. Oh, and sorry, some resources are. Um, Dougie.org is a really great resource for children's grief and loss. And then childrengrieve.org, which is the National Alliance for Children's Grief, is another really great website that you can access if you, um, if you have a child. And I also have some grief resources on my website, which is andreadorn.com. So you can also check out some things there. But, um, but yeah, those are just some website resources that can be helpful. Awesome. So before we let you go, um... Can you tell our audience where they can find you? Yes. So you can find me at my website, um, andreadorn.com. I have a lot of resources there. They're free. Um, so I've got a lot of mindfulness resources, grief and loss resources. Um, and, but you can also find me on Instagram at um, Mindful Step Series and mindfulness.mom. And then also on Facebook at uh, Mindful Steps. And um, oh, and I always forget to talk about this, but I have a YouTube channel, Mindful Step Series, but I, all of my books have little mindfulness meditations at the end that recap the steps and what we talked about in the book. And I have set all of those to music. So there are just little animated um, music videos, if you will, uh, on YouTube. And there's a grief and loss one. So if I find it's a really helpful way to just reinforce what you're, you're talking to kids about um, in, in musical form, because they seem to really resonate with music. I love that so much. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. It was so wonderful to meet you. And uh, I'm just so, so happy to be here. If you like what you just heard, and we hope you do, you can find more of us online at www.okistmoms.com. 
We're also on all social media platforms, Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at OKestMomsBlog. Or if you want to, you can send us an email at hey at OKestMoms.com. As moms, our calendars really revolve around our kids' schedules. We're the cruise directors for their school activities, extracurriculars, and social lives, on top of all the other stuff we have going on for ourselves. Summer is just around the corner, which means even more coordination of camps, activities, family time, vacations, and more. If you've followed us for a while, you know of our undying love for the Essential Calendar. The Essential Calendar allows you to easily see three months at a glance, making planning easier and seamless. Just imagine if you could see all of summer break in one place without flipping calendar pages or that black hole between Halloween and New Year's. Plus, the minimalist design fits with any aesthetic. I actually just sat down and wrote out all of the upcoming baseball and softball games and practices on my essential calendar. I thought I could wing it and get to it when I got to it, but then I showed up to a practice a half an hour late and realized I actually can't function without my essential calendar. Digital calendars are great, but there's something about seeing it all together in one spot that just makes so much more sense for my brain. If you're feeling like you're drowning trying to get organized now that all the activities are back, grab the summer break and autumn calendar bundle to get things on track. Go to okayismoms.com slash essential to get 10% off your order. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.